Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Master Your Mindset podcast. I am your host, Jer Fink, and on today's show, we have Brian Sherman. Brian is a corporate social responsibility leader for Flight Center Travel Group. He's an avid volunteer running several relief programs through the city of Toronto, and he's very passionate about his health and wellness. He really likes to cook, and he's about to get married. I am. Think. <laughs> yeah, what's up, Brian? Everything and nothing. You know, as usual. Right on. Feeling good. Happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Sitting at your basement poker table. This is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, paint a little picture so people can understand where we do this. Yeah, well, to my left, they got the fireplace with uh, a bunch of African masks, and then a good old New Orleans Justin Bua painting, and then a Buddha. It's all very jerfink. I actually bought that in Vancouver from a girl. Yeah, that's what I said, Vancouver from a girl. (laughs) Out of her house. Um, So, excellent, man. So, how's it going? Like, t- tell me what's going on with you right now. You just got a new position, right? The yeah. uh, corporate social responsibility leader. Yeah. So, break that down. What, what does that mean and what do you, does that involve? Uh, it's interesting. Um, a corporate social responsibility leader, essentially, in my case, oversees uh, the workplace giving program for a pretty large corporation, um, oversees the charity partnerships, the volunteerism, employee engagement. Um, organizing programs within the city uh, that have to do with all levels of causes. So it's interesting for me. How's it going, though, was your original question. It's been going kind of crazy because I'm three weeks into that role, and I've been hoping to do that. I've been trying to do that. I've been educating myself, um, got a graduate certificate in corporate social responsibility, all while handling my past job for the past six years. Okay. And then finally this job materialized. So, so hold on, so back it up for a second here, right? So you had your old job, which was? My old job was a business development leader for Flight Center Travel Group. So I was in charge of sales teams. Okay. And we would be selling to, we had different brands, so we would be selling to movie producers, we would be selling to other kinds of companies to handle their travel programs, right. so their flights, hotels, all that stuff. Okay. And and that was what I was doing for finance, but social responsibility is my passion. Right. All right. So that was your passion, and you knew you wanted to somehow work in that kind of field, right? Yeah, I never knew that it was possible, and I've been doing a lot of that stuff on the side, never for money. It was never for money before. It was just right. because I loved volunteering. Right. I loved volunteering. I always yeah. have, but especially so in the past six or seven years it's been a huge part of my life it's made my life better in ways that are difficult to describe but some easy to describe generally better yeah yeah i get it okay so then you wanted to bring that somehow into your career as well did they already have that position the csr position you're describing or is it something that you kind of worked into the organization i had to create it i'd like to tell you i'd (laughs) like to sit here and tell you that it was a chess game and I saw 10 moves ahead, and the 10th move, the checkmate was the creation of a CSR role within the company. Right, so, what, um, wait, so yeah, but, walk through that a little bit. Like, How did that manifest, or how did that come to life? So I mentioned a minute ago that I love volunteering. And going yeah. back about six years now, I, I started handling a couple of volunteer programs for a Salvation Army and then a local group called Homes First, which provides last chance or subsidized housing for people that are they're not on the street but they're not on their feet they're you know so I was doing meal cooking programs and I was handling a clothing room and none of this had to do with with my work I just wanted to do it because at the time I thought that that's what a good citizen should do oh interesting um but I really quickly realized that 
beyond that, what I walked away from, what I walked away from those experiences with was, mm. was epic. It was kind of like, you know, that feeling when you, when you walk out of, um, out of the gym, your dopamine levels, your endorphins, right. your yeah. serotonin, so you're the same. Like that, that's the science. But like, I don't know, I just, everything else, like everything else melted away. And it wasn't, it wasn't so much because I was like, I have an abundance and other people are less fortunate and I'm doing a good thing. It was more like somehow, and this is, this part's hard to explain. I just felt connected. Right. No, that's not hard to explain at all. Yeah. I felt connected. You were helping other people out. Yeah. They were less fortunate than you, but they needed some kind of, like not a handout, but they needed something else and you were there to provide it. Yeah. Yeah. But if I'm being honest, when I, when I walk out of that, and it's still even now, like when I walk out of those experiences, it's not selfless. I mean, there's a part of it that's like altruistic. Um, but I, I feel like I get way more from it than it would seem that I'm giving. You know, I mean, there is obviously a major giving component to it, but I walk away like, I don't know, I feel more productive and I feel more loyal and I feel more faithful I don't just mean in my relationship. I mean to my path and my friends, and right. just, I, I just feel better. You feel like you're making more of an impact, and you're yeah, you making a difference in people's lives. Yeah. So yeah. That, so okay. that, So so I thought to myself, doing that, starting that like six years ago, I thought to myself, um, you know, I work in an organization that has about fifteen hundred people in Canada. Um, and then another 2,000 people in the States. I mean, essentially, the whole company is 20,000 people worldwide. We're on all seven continents. Um, but I thought to myself, I work in this group with a strong interwoven communication structure. At the time, I didn't really care what the product was. It wasn't about the fact that my company sold travel. They could have sold widgets or porn or whatever. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I just thought to myself, I have an opportunity to galvanize groups of people to take people out to, to maybe do volunteer missions for different things. Yep. Um, and then not only can other people get the same kind of benefits that I'm getting, but then it's good for the community. So why not do that? And I wasn't thinking about job. I had my job. I was a business development sales leader right. uh, within the company. I was like, so I started off doing that and I made a couple of allies within the company, within the company who, right. who were in significantly significant positions. Yes. Um, and over time, some of those some of those programs have developed into larger things, and then people shifted roles, and then eventually, I f- would find myself sitting in a room with our senior VP of communications and the president of the company talking about what is really needed for strong CSR, because a lot of companies know now that for cultural reasons they should have a strong social responsibility initiative, right. structured, not siloed. Um, so, yeah, so I would find myself in that office and then certain things materialized and we decided to create the role. And so I took, I've taken a risk. In fact, I've taken a pay cut. Oh, really? Yeah. From your last position? Not, not I mean, not my, my base salary. I've, I've, I haven't taken a pay cut, but in terms of being a sales leader, I, you know, oh, I, was, right. that was, I was very comfortable, but I'll be honest with you, Jerry Fink. Is it, is it way better? It's way better. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> That's what matters, though. I don't though. care. Like, it's not about the money. The money will come later. Yeah. But you, you're working on, like, yeah. following your passion and, and loving what you do every day and yeah. letting that drive you. And I think that's way more valuable than the money. It took me, like, I feel really thankful. Not so much that I got the job. I mean, I'm thankful of that and that, yeah. that happened. Um, but that I discovered something, you know? Like, like yourself? I, yeah, I didn't wake up. Like, some people, I guess, some people wake up. Like, maybe Elton John woke up when he was three and had to play piano. 
Right. Or maybe like... Oh, but you found you a know, calling almost, something that you're passionate yeah, about. And then yeah. like when I was, this is only about three, four years ago, I was like, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could do this professionally? And how you're doing it. And yeah, now I feel like... But you also I, were a big part of creating that as well. You weren't sitting around just like, oh, I'd love to do that. Along the way, like you went and volunteered and then you brought that into the organization. You created those little projects. Right. You started talking to those people, right? Yeah. Like you thought about it, but you also made it happen. And I think there's a big there's a big disconnect to people that thinking they can just think of something and, and manifest it versus actually putting the action behind it. Yeah. And you did that. I know some people, there is a small piece missing, like... Like I said before, I wish I could tell you it was it was a chess game and I saw what was coming. I knew something was coming. I knew that that by doing these things, options would present themselves. But the truth is, I didn't really care. I wasn't thinking professional. I wasn't thinking money. I was thinking like, I just want to do this. I want to do this after work today. I want to do this. Oh, hey, guys, let's do this. Let's do that. Yeah. And then... I don't know. It you, just you love kind it. of it's happened. Like, yeah, you want to do what you love and you love that. Yeah. It drives you every day. Yeah. You want to get up in the morning now and go to your job. Like It's so funny that you say that because in my own job, like I was a sales leader. So, I mean, I have to be – there, there was key KPIs, key performance indicators. People right. have to make calls and they have to make meetings and they have, yeah. to, you know, they have to get a certain amount of wins, et cetera, et cetera. So as a leader, especially with a larger group, like I had to be a little bit of a helicopter parent. I don't want to be, but it's like you have to meet if, the quota. Yeah, you have to get the sale. If Fink isn't making this quota, I have to find, I have to coach Jer Fink, but I also have to pressure just enough to get you to do your thing. Right. I have nobody now. Like I'm, there's me and the senior VP of communications for all of Canada right. and the states. So currently, and we're overseeing a group of four thousand people. Right. So the weird thing is, like, she's in Vancouver. But it's not like you have your own team like you yeah. had before now. Right? So I'm on my own. Right, yeah. So it's a little bit of it. But in, in that experience of managing all those people, I'm guessing you probably learned a lot. And the experience from that alone, you can probably take into whatever you keep, whatever you do next. Yeah, definitely. I think... Um, Even working on your own, like the ability to manage other people successfully, you can take those those habits, right? Even into managing yourself. Yes, absolutely. I, I think uh, I've come to the realization that structure and mm. scheduling... And timelines, like that? And targets, yeah. they're very, very important. Right. I never used to, I, I used to always just want to fly by the seat of my pants. And in some, yeah. in some places I do, I really yeah, do. But in other places, you need structure. You need routine. You need... I think it's bigger than that. I, I think you need a, a vision and I think you need a goal, right? And I think you need all the things you're saying, but I think you need that goal in place right? To have somewhere that you're striving towards. Like, I, I'm like you, I've been flying by the seat of my pants for years. Maybe, maybe not the last couple of years, but prior to that, I just got by. I had enough talent, I had enough skill set, could make enough money, I could travel, I could live wherever I wanted, and I just got by. But I had no direction, and I had no plan, and I had no vision, right? And it changes everything, like you're saying, when you have that vision in place. It does, and I'm not, yeah. the, the thing is, so what is the I, vision? Yeah, that's, that was one of my questions. I was thinking, like, for for your role within the company, like, what's your goal here? What do you what do you, what do you want to well, create? That's, that's it's it's interesting that you ask that because in most cases you get into a role, um, like a job, and it's like if you do A, B, C, and D, then E will happen. In this case, people kind of know what we want E to be. E is like a strongly structured social responsibility 
program where we're constantly fundraising for our partner charities. We have volunteer groups and ambassadors that are going out to different places. Mm -hmm. People are thinking culturally in everything they do, whether it's a buzz night or a, or a, or a leadership conference or whatever. There's a social component. Um, but the thing is, in this case, we don't know what the structure is. So it's my job. I'm tasked with creating the structure on how to do that. Okay. So what's the vision? So essentially, the vision is a culture shift. I think as the vision is... Like within the organization. Within the organization. I mean, let's be real. We need, we need a culture shift in the world. Right, but, but you're not... But we're not yeah, talking about the that. world. Right. We're talking about a, a group of 4,000 people within Canada and the States. The idea is that anytime anybody is thinking about their event, whatever it is, a team meeting or whatever, they're thinking, okay, so um, what can we do in this particular case? What, who can we donate to? Um, what can we do that is going to help each other? Like the idea is to get people thinking socially. Okay. Um, okay. Okay, cool. No, I, I definitely have a good sense of what you do and like what you're trying to create now within the organization. Yeah. So let's shift a little bit. Let's just like chat more about like you and I, sure. right? And just how you got where you're at like prior to Flight Center because like you traveled quite a bit. You lived in Dubai, right? And you also lived in Japan. Was it Japan? I lived in Japan. Yeah, Japan first and then you were in Dubai before you came back to Toronto and stuff. So before, you know, you were like Flight Center Brian and stuff, like... You know, talk a little bit about who you were and like how you got where you are now. Yeah, that's a weird, rocky road, my friend. Yeah, well, where I'm trying to um, get at is more is like, because I know you've had a certain time frame or time in, in, in your life where you shifted, where you kind of realized you had to do something different. Yeah. Right? I have this saying that it's like almost my mantra right now. It's like do something different to get different results. So I can, can I tell a story? Yeah, yeah. Story? Yeah. So and it directly ties into that. Um, so flashback to, I guess my mid twenties or so I'm working as a director for the shopping channel, right? Everybody knows shopping channel. So I had worked in camera and I had worked in audio and I was working as a director and we were selling Joan Rivers jewelry and all that stuff. I had a good job, union job, right. regular money. The money wasn't bad. It wasn't great for a guy in his mid twenties. It was fine. I had love. I had a great girl, the car, the place. Right. And all the things, but I also had an uh, emptiness um, that I couldn't define, like in my chest okay. all the time. So this was happening it, while you were in Toronto already. So was, you I, was I was still in Toronto. I hadn't I hadn't moved overseas yet. This is in my mid twenties. This is before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I, so I, I I'm, I'm going way back here. Okay. Sorry, I got so, my timeline a little mixed up. So, so, so early. So even all through my early twenties, like right. So this is before you moved to even Japan. Before I moved to Japan. Yeah. Right. Okay. Got you. Yeah. So. I had this ball of emptiness that I couldn't define, right? And I kept thinking like, well, I haven't discovered my thing yet, my passion. And I was always thinking like, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow. But I wasn't really doing anything. I didn't know what to do. Like I said, I had all the things that, that they say that you should have to, right. to make it okay. But, but, not, but I never right. felt okay. That's yeah, so when you say they, like... The proverbial they. Right. Yeah. Like society. Yeah. Like, like the world, basically. So... Um, I had a lot of anger in me, right? I felt like I was pretending a lot of the time and I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. So one day after working for shopping channel for about four years, I'm driving home. Um, it should be about a half an hour drive, but it took an hour and a half, usual Toronto traffic. Nothing bad happened that day. Nothing particularly good happened that day. It was just a day. Right. So I get home, I walk into my place 
And there's my beautiful girlfriend at the time, and she's wearing this cute little outfit, and she had cooked. I could smell it. She had made paella. Lisa never cooked. Right? Right. So this was a deal. <laughs> um, I walk in, and she obviously just wanted to make a night. Right. Keep in mind, she had, she never does this stuff. It was like once in a blue moon. Okay. I was I was so, I felt so disassociated when I walked in. She's like, hey, and I just, I literally just put my hand out, and I kind of, I didn't, I didn't put my hand on her, but I kind of moved her aside, and I'm like, no, not yet. And I walked right past her, um, dinner sitting like on the table, and I walked into the washroom. All my clothes are on. I take my clothes off, just standing in the washroom. I get into the shower, and I'm feeling really like my chest is feeling really heavy, and I'm getting really dizzy. Um, and I guess, I guess you could call it a breakdown or a panic attack, a panic attack yeah. or something. And I did. I had no idea what was wrong. It was that ball of emptiness that was in there. So right. obviously, Lisa, knowing that I'm not that kind of a dick, right. she knew something was, was wrong. So, right. so she came in, and I turn off the shower, and I'm literally like, I'm pretty much in tears. And I'm like, I don't know what to do, and I'm not going where I want to go, and I don't know how to explain it. I don't know why or how. Um, she says, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go She's like, what do you mean go? I'm like, go <laughs> to Japan. Yeah. She's like, what the fuck is Japan? Why, why yeah. Japan? What's yeah, Japan? Right. And I said... So no previous I, discussion about no this No previous world. discussion. Right. You're just like... I said, I said, I want to go as far away as I can around the globe before I start coming back. And she's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. Okay. I just want to go. So later on, I would think about it. In the, pre, in the following few weeks before I left, I would think about it. And I guess... I decided to do that because the only thing I could think to do at the time was change my surroundings so drastically that maybe some new options would present themselves. Maybe right. I would discover something, right? I would later realize while being away that you can't run away from yourself. And that ball of, yeah. empty, and that ball of emptiness so what, what never you, goes away. Yeah, so what were you feeling during those times and stuff? Like what was going on with you kind of emotionally and internally that kind of led to this almost like panic attack? felt you said you knew something was off you knew something was wrong wasted. i felt complacent i felt underwhelmed right. i didn't really feel like i was doing anything of any note not not that i have to be a legend or something i just just for myself when i right. put my head on the no, pillow that's, that's understandable yeah just when i put my head on the pillow at night i want to be like hey you know i'm doing something I'm doing something I respect. Right. And I didn't respect myself. For your I, job, you mean, or your life in general? Both. My job, um, I guess my life in general, which is strange because I, I, I was doing okay. I was right. doing the it's things. It's not strange, though. It's, it goes back to what you were saying, that you were doing the things that you were kind of taught to do, right? And nothing nothing to do with about like what you choose to do or you love to do it or what your passion was. It's kind of like you were just following a script, right? You went to school graduated, you went to another school, graduated, you went yeah. to, I don't know if, where you went after high school, but you get the idea. Then you got your job and everything was cool. You thought everything was cool until it wasn't. Yeah. And then you split and then now you're taking off to Japan. I think I felt, and you know what? Maybe I even still do. Maybe I'll always have to deal with this. I think I felt like a faker. Like I was just following the script and I just felt like a faker. Yeah. Like I'm just doing what the proverbial they say you're supposed to do and everybody yeah. looks and they're like, okay, he's doing the things. He's all right. Yeah. But that's not, that's not for, for me and not a judgment to other people, but that's not living for me. Right. You know, I want to live. Well, that's good. It's good that you actually had that, that realization 
out with 20 whatever you were right like that's powerful like it, yeah. it probably well, it did it sounds like it totally like flipped the script on your life and you decided to do something bold and move to japan yeah i couldn't like, i couldn't think what else to do and I, i'll never forget this my father's a smart man i respect him and i love him but right. i think I, I think in his mind he didn't want to he, he didn't really want to lose me geographically so i remember being on the golf course with him when i still played golf and this is maybe a week or two before I'm going to leave for Japan. And he says to me at some point, I can't remember exactly what the context was. He says, I give you a month. You'll be home in a month. Did you actually said that? He said that. How'd that make you feel? It crushed me. Yeah. Made me feel one inch tall. Did you know that or was it something you kept inside? No, no. I, I told him that. Okay. But then I, I remember turning to him and I said, I'll never forget this. Now, this isn't verbatim, but it was generally. I turned to him and I said, for the simple fact that you would say that means that if I have to be on the street in a box for the next year, that's exactly where I'll be under a bridge in Tokyo. Thank you for the motivation. I wonder what... It, what he was afraid. He, he's not, losing you? He's not that guy and he's actually... 99.9% of the time, he's extremely motivational, yeah. realistic, right. but motivational. But he was losing you, your son, his son. Yeah, I think he didn't understand because right. it was a risk. It was jumping off without looking. Right, and, he, and you probably looking. didn't even understand at that time. I didn't right? really understand right. either. And he, and in his mind, he never like, he's a, a captain of industry and he's a powerful guy, but he never really took big risks. Interesting. So that is an interesting point right there. I, I would like to know more about that because I know you're not a little bit. I know what he's done in his life. And the fact you're saying he hasn't taken big risks is interesting, right? Very calculating, very academic and mathematical. And, right. you know, which has led to his own personal success. Yeah. Right? I have a piece of that in me. Nowhere, I think, nowhere near the, nowhere near my, my father's power in that capacity. Right. Um, but I knew, like, I was scared shitless to go to Japan. Yeah. Um, not because it was Japan, just because I, I, I didn't know what was in the, the ether. Right. You were leaving comfortable to go to the uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and I wonder, like, if part of what you did, maybe subconsciously, is because, like, of how your dad is or was, right, and how you didn't want to be. So it's almost like maybe you were trying to do something different, right? To break the mold a little bit and to be bright, to be yourself. And like, I don't know, I'm speculating, obviously. Possible. Totally possible. But, but you were just, you were trying to obviously break free from something, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so, so let's get moving into this. So then you went to Japan. Yeah. You were there teaching English, right? You at least started Bartlett. off teaching English. English is what got me there. Working for a conversation school. There's a few of them. They bring Westerners over and. It's easy to get your visa sorted out and stuff. And I was with my girlfriend, Lisa, at the time. Yeah. Got ourselves to a small prefecture close to uh, Nagoya. Um, we would be in that prefecture for about a month before we realized this is too small. We wanted to get to the action. So then we lived in Osaka for a bit. Then we moved okay. to Tokyo. Um, okay, okay. So I didn't teach English. I taught English. But you got to move around time. a little bit. Yeah. I That's I cool, right? Like you got to see the different styles of living almost. Yeah. Interestingly, just as a as a side note, the place we lived in Tokyo, this was probably the I guess you could call it the 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 custodial quarters or the janitorial quarters yeah. of uh, of an apartment building, uh, small apartment building. All the places, especially in Tokyo, space is a premium. 
so we were on this like ground floor. You had to go through an alley. If you go down to the end of the alley, there's this little Shinto shrine. But through this alley, our place was dank and it was wet and it was 180 square feet with a tiny little closet for the for where the toilet is. Your knees and I'm I'm not a tall guy. I'm like almost five nine. My knees were up against the door. Your knees would be like against your chin. I'll take what was it like a little bachelor kind of setup? It wasn't even, it was, yeah, it was like a one tiny little room. room. And then there was a tiny little shower room. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Jer Fink, that place. I love how you call me Jer Fink. Because you called yourself Jer Fink. No, I know, but it's funny. Yeah, it's Um, funny though. But that place was one of the best places I ever lived. Not because of the, the place itself, but because it was full of love and adventure and it was just it was just an energy that we created and that was a good lesson for me because it taught me that it's not so much about the creature comforts right we made that tiny day custodial right. closet your, your little home. castle yeah it was amazing yeah we had milk crates outside to sit on when we would smoke the occasional cigarette yeah man those were the best the, milk crates i've ever yeah, sat on yeah those are the good old you days know? right like yeah so <laughs> i i went out to teach english and i i I, uh, I I don't have a great voice, but I have a little bit of a voice, and I've done some radio in the past and some commercials. So I, I went and I, I found a contact, a friend of mine, a person I knew from Toronto who had worked for the English Language Education Council, recording audio material and video material for conversation schools for English lessons. So it would be like I, I, I went and I made this contact, and basically I would go in and I would read lessons like, Aiko has diarrhea. She must get medicine. She goes to the pharmacy to buy the medicine. Right, I get it. And then they would play that in schools and stuff like that. So I ended up doing that not very often, but got paid pretty good. Had a bunch of had a bunch of friends and stuff. I made it a I made it a very particular point to have no white friends, no gaijin. I know that sounds kind of racist, but gaijin is the is the is the is the term for foreigners in Japan. Okay. But I wasn't in Japan to be friends with the, the guys from Calgary and the guys from Australia. Right. I was there to for a Japanese experience. Right. So, so you wanted Japanese friends. Very I had a we had quite a large circle of friends that were Japanese. Yeah. Um if you're the if you're the you know the word xenophobia, xenophobic means no. like fear of alien f- fear of feeling alien, alienation. Okay. Like if you're the only white like you standing on the street, standing on the subway in the middle of Tokyo. Right, I was standing out a little you're a bit. Tall white dude. Yeah, you know, no, so I, everyone's I, gonna be like John, right. Justin Timberlake. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the, so you're saying they loved you guys out there? Yeah. So look, the th- the thing is, man, it was just an adventure. I didn't have an agenda. Right. I just went. Right. I don't have. I wish like. Which is interesting because now you really value the agenda, and now you really value the structure and the plan, and like. Yeah. Right. But back then it was a different experience. But now I'm calculated when, when, mm. and when not to have agenda. Right. Like travel is a good example. I've been to over fifty countries. Oh wow! Okay. Um, Didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, my neck. Yeah. So I have I have a trip coming up. We'll make it fifty one. Um, but I, I have kind of a method that I go now that's like part agenda, right. but then like significant gaps of time, days, where there's no agenda. It's just like, while you're traveling, let's me. meet this guy. Let's go. I hear, I, right. hear, I hear there's great shrimp in these mountains. Right. I don't know how we're going to do it, but let's just go. So it's cool because you know? you figured out how to, how to have balance, basically, right? In your corporate life, in your work life, 
right? You have the structure, the agenda, the plan. You need all that to keep everything going systematically in a certain way. But then as soon as you leave that environment, you figure out how to like almost hit a switch, right? We are agenda-free, Brian, almost, right? I think so. to, yeah, but that's cool balance because like then you almost have the best of both worlds and you figure out how to make both worlds work well for you. Like, yeah. like imagine this. Imagine you took that work-life, right, um, way of being into your traveling. You're all like having the agenda, the structure. No, we got to be here at this time. Exactly. You're, you're pointing your finger saying, no, no, no. And that's the point I'm trying to make is that that's pretty commendable because like even for myself, being able to like have a very kind of laid back way of being, um, I haven't always like been great with structure and planning and all that. And because I work for myself, having my own business, sometimes it's hard for me to like bring the structure and the planning and the, the agenda and all that into my work life, right? Can I can I ask you a question? Just yeah, yeah, you yeah. Mention that. Um, do you find that because you because you're your own boss, you run your own thing? Do you find that you put more pressure on yourself than you would otherwise be in an environment where somebody would be putting pressure on you? You know, to like to have a routine to yes. like make sure that you're doing more because yes, you do. Yeah, I, I definitely do. Because when I was working for other people. I didn't have as much responsibility because it wasn't my company and, and I was getting a paycheck, right, to do a certain job. So I would do my certain job and, and that was the extent of it. So I was good. It was up to other people to implement the structure and the process and all that. I just had to follow it. Right. Right. I had to do my own thing, obviously, depending on what kind of role you have. But now, like, it's all on me, like everything. Like if I'm going to succeed, everything from the top of the company to the bottom, like I have to make sure that it's running properly every day. Yeah, well, I, this is the first, like now, literally now, it's the first time I've ever experienced that. Right, because now, you're, now you're saying you're more on your own. Now it's me. Right, me, it, it's I definitely think, a game changer, but it's taught me a lot about myself. And like over the last couple of years, and even more so over the last like four, four months, let's say, like this year especially, um, I've seen like huge shifts in my habits, in my way um, just operating on a daily basis and stuff and how I'm even looking at my business. Like this is my second year in business and I just created a business plan, right? That just goes to show you like how I just, in my past, would just go by the, the seat of my pants, right? And just yeah. like go with the flow kind of stuff, get clients, great, I got some work, make some money, put it in the bank, I'm great. But it wasn't getting me anywhere. So now I'm in a different position where I'm realizing that I need the plan, I need the goals, I need structure, I need a process, especially if I want to like make this company successful. And if you look at any successful company, like look at McDonald's, for example, they're the king of the franchise business because they implemented like a certain process and structure into the business that they can, you know, they, they can simulate across like franchise, 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 it's exploded, yeah. right? So I need that for my business, right? So now I have to create all that. Not only do I have to like do my job, like you're talking about working for somebody else, I have to do all the other stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure you're in a similar position now, creating this department in your company. You need a plan. Yeah. You know? But it's bigger than that. Like, yeah, you need a plan, you need a process, um, and you need kind of a way of like operating, a way of being. But I think what you were mentioning before in terms of like, you were using me as a, the, as the example as we were talking about my life, but you know, the, the agenda and the scheduling and the targets and all that stuff that I apply to my corporate life and then dismissing that in travel. I find that you need an element of that even on a micro level within business, not just business, but within my professional life. So there's like, there's an aspect to the way I approach 
all of my professional stuff now where I, I implement a structure, but there are some elements where I wait and see what happens. Like I'll do something, I'll create a, an initiative or something or a group of people, I'll create um, some, kind of, some kind of action and then I, it, it, sometimes I hope for lightning in a bottle. A little bit, you know? Right. I, I gotta take a leak. Can we take a break for a second? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So you talked about, the reason I bring that up is because you talked about like having, I had figured out like a balance. I guess so. Like I have a little bit of an approach to travel and life and there is that that balance, but there's always that element of leaping before I look. Like I want to create lightning in a bottle. So, so yeah, I mean, I make it sound kind of boring. Like it's complete, so structured and stuff, but it's, you know. I don't think it's boring. I, I think most businesses are based on structure and stuff. Some, some people don't like thrive in a structural environment, but yeah. it doesn't mean you don't need structure, right? But it's a we like I'm in a weird place now because like – Like you go into the office every day, right? Like you have – Yeah, like there's there. a number – we have a number of offices and I can go anywhere I want now. I can fly to Vancouver to that office. I, you know, I'm, no. I'm also – Are you working from yes, home at all? Yes, I'm saying? going to the office every day. Yeah. Not because anybody tells me to. Right. I could just as easily work from home. Okay. But again, it's that mindset, that routine. Like, I wake up in the morning, I do my meditation from five thirty to six thirty. I have a, I have a routine. You yeah, know, morning I, I routine, need, right? Yeah, and I need to go to the office and stuff. It just sets the tone right. for me. Okay, so we, we, <clears throat> after you were done in Japan, yeah. Or let's just say, you know, you did your. How long were you there for? A year and a half or so. Yeah. So you guys were there for a year and a half. How, how did you decide from Japan to go to Dubai? It wasn't. I mean, it, it wasn't rocket surgery. Um, okay. It was essentially. It was essentially <laughs> another one of these like Dubai, Dubai, Dubai. Like, no, you just it went wasn't to Dubai, like or? Dubai wasn't like Xanadu. It wasn't like it. It wasn't like the the, the top yeah. of the mountain. Essentially, we wanted to go somewhere where, on one hand, we could we could grow occupationally, but on the other hand, we could have a beach and we could live well and our money could go far. Dubai seemed at the time like. Is it Dubai expensive? Well, Dubai, it's expensive, but as a Westerner, I mean, it's a class system over there. So as a Westerner, I mean, we knew that we could get jobs that would pay us good money and we could live very well. Um, and we knew that we would be materially comfortable. Gas okay. is basically free. Like, and we did. We lived, so, I, I lived very, very well. Right. So what, what, after you like had your experience in Japan, in Japan how were you feeling internally like? You know, before you left, obviously, you had this, like, panic attack. Things weren't going well. You knew something was off. So were you in a better place, like, just living in Japan and going through that experience? Were you feeling better about yourself? Mm. Yes and no. So remember, before I left for Japan, I didn't know what was wrong. I right. knew that I had this right. emptiness. Right. Um, what is that same emptiness? Sorry? What? <laughs> I had this emptiness. Oh, emptiness. <laughs> What did you say? What? <laughs> okay. What did you say? Samtinas? <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't I knew a guy named Samtinas. Yeah. I, I thought you were saying something like, you know, like from like you picked up in Japan or something. Like it was like this like, you know, metaphor for something. But No, no. I, I had this emptiness, this void. Okay? Got it. Void. I had this right, void. Right, right. Okay. Fill it. So, so if you're asking how I felt, the void was still there. Um still had anger, still had angst, still didn't know. But I felt like I understood that better. Before I left for Japan, I couldn't explain it. I couldn't explain that that 
that void. And then at, at, when I, towards the end of Japan, I was like, I asked myself the same question. Do you feel better? Did you find whatever it was you were looking for, even though you didn't know what you were looking for? Right. And I started to recognize that there was no it. There was no, what I, there was no thing I was looking for. I think what I was really looking for was a better understanding of myself and where that void like who you comes were? from, what's causing that. Right, so you're just looking you know, to more connect more with yourself and who you are. So I like, felt a little more connected. I still felt most of the same things. I mean, I had just had an amazing year and a half of experiences. Right, right. So rich. I don't mean money rich, but so soulfully, spiritually, and socially, and so rich. So that was all cool, but I was self-aware enough at the time to know that that void was still there. But I, at least I understood myself a little bit better, and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to just fill that void with something. I had to learn how to, I had to, I had to go farther down the rabbit hole of myself and start understanding myself a little bit better right. so that I could call the storm. Right. Yeah, so, so that's you, kind of how I felt. So when you had that realization that going into to Dubai, did you do anything about that? Did you then start to work on yourself more and go deeper into yourself or was it? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. No. So. See, Dubai was interesting because. Like I said before, I lived very well. I had materially, I had never experienced this kind of, it was opulent all the time. All the food I could eat, <laughs> beautiful places, pools, beautiful women. Because, because that's like, what Dubai I is? I had all this, I had right? all this like, great stuff, right? you know? And I got really drunk on stuff. Right, because that's, that's, that's what I'm asking. That's what Dubai really is right isn't it just like this beautiful elaborate place full of like wealth and like you know crazy there is that architecture like, and like just like yeah, just, there, there is that and i don't want to i don't want to slag on dubai but there let's just say it's very it's very shiny on top yeah very rusty underneath right okay right there's like like any is there any in the middle kind of or is it you know one or the other there's, they're very clear about, there's the labor class. So you have Filipino, Pakistani, Sri Lankan, um, you know, Indian. They are the laboring class for the most part. As a Westerner, if I walk into a room in Dubai, at least this was my experience, I felt like if I walked into a room where I was with a Sri Lankan person who went to the same school, had the same education, got the same degree, had the same background, same everything, but the simple fact that he or she was Sri Lankan and I was a Western Canadian person, immediately I'm worth on my paycheck double what that person is worth. Just because of where you come from. And nobody lies about that. That's, it's sick. It's yeah, twisted. It's pretty twisted. It's pretty messed up. Yeah. But it is. It, but you knew this you, going into Dubai you or no? Know, yeah. If you, yeah? yeah, I knew that walking in. Okay. So, That's like good. I said, in the I mean, time I mean, that I was there, I had a great time. About a year and a half into Dubai, I started to feel like my life is all about Brian. It's all Brian all day long. It's the Brian show. <laughs> well, you are Brian. Let's clarify. <laughs> no, that's right. I am Brian. But it was like, I, I don't know how much I like that. I mean, who, who am I doing anything for? Or what am I like? There's, you know, this doesn't feel quite right. So again, that emptiness. Is that it started similar to, feeling it started to coming back? Pretty good. Fascinating. You know, the, yeah. the, I started to... I started to get a little bit of, um, started to lose my drunk a little bit, drunk yeah. on stuff thing. On the travel adventure, you know, no, Japan, that, that's, that's never gone. It was more that it was more of the opulence. 
you know? Okay, but all the shiny only, stuff? There's only so long that all the food and all the right. stuff and the women and the pools and right. the beaches and the parties and like... It wears off. It's like, it just becomes like, how many golden Ferraris can you see before you stop giving a shit about golden Ferraris? Right. If you see a golden Ferrari drive down the street... In Toronto, you'd be like, wow, golden Ferrari. Yeah. And then the second one would go by, and be like, oh my God, that's two. What's the chances? <laughs> and the third one, you're like, okay, cool. The fourth one, you're like, yeah. let's get some appetizers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like every other car is a golden Ferrari. Right. So it, it's really good if you're at least like, I'm not patting myself on the back here, but if you're just mildly conscious, mildly conscious person, then you can realize quite quickly that stuff just becomes stuff when that's all there is. So that's that was my Dubai experience. Like I said, it's not a slag on Dubai. It's, a, it's right. for some people, it's... It's understandable, place. 100%. That's my experience. So, right. so after about a year and a half, two years, I was like, okay, I got to figure out a way to migrate back to where I come from. I hesitate to use the word home. That's another... Right, but you are from Toronto. That's I am from Toronto. That's what you're referring to. Right? So get back to Canada. And I guess what I was feeling was... The, the the I don't know if I'd say the the yearn to put down roots, but um, feel more connected right. to, to something. Although I couldn't quite identify, I wasn't quite at the point yet where I could identify exactly what that right. was. But I knew it was social, and you knew you had to come and back knew, to Toronto. And I knew it was familial, right? And I knew that it that there was an element I wanted of safety, partly socioeconomic safety, and partly something inside of me, something. Something where my right. soul felt more connected, and it wasn't right. just about golden Ferraris. Right, you and know? your family is obviously here, and yeah. you have a lot of friends here, and like yeah. a lot of roots here in, in Toronto. Okay, yeah. so then you just decided, okay, I need to make that move back, and and obviously you had no job lined up or nothing. You just like time to go home, right? I know you don't want to use that word home, but time to go back to Toronto, right? I did have a job lined up actually. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, one of the biggest animation companies in all, right. in all the Middle East. Right. Um, I was tasked with coming and opening the Toronto office. Okay. We were going to build. We, we, we did. We actually, was that, we actually sorry, bought. Yeah. Was that like they knew you were going back to Toronto and they were like, let's do this? Or was it like, let's do this and then you go to Toronto? I had done some work for them and I proposed it to their owner. I was like, he, okay. had, mentioned okay. to me, he had mentioned to me over a drink one time in a very nice bar. Um, he had mentioned to me that he was very interested in Toronto and could see himself moving there. And I right. said, I was thinking of going home. You want to open a Toronto office? Yeah. You want to see if we can pitch television series for children's animation? So that's what would end up happening. He would charge me with that task and I would come back to Toronto and I would make a go at opening that office. And I did open that office. And okay. That's another story. But after about a year, let's just say it didn't work out. Okay, but let's just hold on one sec. So when you came back and you left Dubai, going back to how you were feeling and that whole internal like, you know, journey you were on, understanding where that kind of block was coming from, did anything shift, or were you just kind of coming back with a like a fresh mindset, a fresh start, right? Like, where were you at? If I'm being really honest with myself, the fact yeah. the fact yeah. that I had, I've never actually said this out loud before, but. I, I, I have no shame in it, but the fact that I had the opportunity for, um, for a job when I got home back to Toronto and there was an opportunity to have a safety net and stuff, I think that at the end of it, I'm not sure if I ever actually believed in the job. I think I used it as a conveyance. 
to get me back to Toronto where I knew that I, I felt like I had a really big uphill battle because I, I needed to come back and, and, and situate myself back in Toronto. So, um, I, at the time, I'll be honest with you, I was feeling a little bit fearful. Fearful of what? I was fearful of, um, not having a clear path in front of me. Um, I'm no longer feel fearful of not having a clear path because it doesn't really matter to me whether or not the path is clear. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I, I, I guess at that time I was on a bit of a journey of self-discovery. As soon as I came home at that time, I started, unlike ever before, I started a health and wellness routine when I got back to Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Why? What, what was so important about health and wellness at that time? Well, when I was living in Dubai, my health and wellness was like a, it was almost like a positive consequence of my social life. I was always wakeboarding. I was always playing volleyball. Okay. I wasn't like setting out to go to the gym and stuff every day. But I you're felt, active. And but you're I feeling felt good. good and yeah. strong. And I thought well and I slept well and my sex life oh. was better. And like, <laughs> just, everything was just better. Okay. okay. You know? That's a huge and so learning. I, that's a huge I, learning experience. Yeah. And I yeah. knew that at a baseline level, at a base level, that's where everything starts. Yeah. And you're me. still, to this day, it's obviously something you're really passionate about because you still it have is. a pretty good... Yeah, health and wellness. I mean, routine. it's not perfect. I'm sitting here with a beer and I smoke the occasional no. cigarette, and no. yeah. you know. But I do. I, I wake up every day, and I've I, over the past five years, I've found the passion of meditation, and I meditate for an hour a day, and I do yoga six days a week. And it, what's important is not the actual action of the health and wellness. It's that it's it's what it is. It, it's it's the idea that I'm pursuing it. it. Doesn't matter if I'm going to the gym or doing yoga or whatever it is. Right. I need that part of my life because right. everything starts there and I'm ready to be productive. I'm ready right. to focus. You know, I feel good. It's right. You, you, you recognize that like first and foremost is your health, yeah. right? Amongst everything. Cause if you're not taken care of, then you can't take care of exactly. anything else and you will burn out and you will get sick and you will get That's right. unhealthy. Yeah. And it's nothing to do like, it's nothing to do with longevity. I don't care if I, I, I have no desire to live to 200 years old. Right. I just want to feel good and strong every day. Right. So that I can have the tools to pursue what's important to me. Right. You just want to be, I, I totally get it. You want to have the energy and even your ment, like mentally strong, right? Like mentally alert, right? If you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can get sluggish and, and you, you're not on your A game. Right. Right. You need that. You need that kind of balance as well. So that's pretty cool. So, so when you came back to Toronto, then like what was the first, like you had this job for a year after that job. Is that when you ended up going to uh, flight center? Yeah, there was a four-month gap um, in between when it didn't work out with my backers in Dubai and the office in Toronto. They had pulled out for it's a bit of a convoluted story, but um, I won't really get into that part. But there was about a four-month gap uh, in there, and then I would eventually find Flight Center. Um, and it seemed like a good idea because the brand that I was going to be working for within Flight Center at the time was called Stage and Screen, and it would marry both my love and desire of travel right. with my understanding of, uh, of production and media background. Right. Or so I thought. Right, but that's what you were... That's, that's how I justified that's it. That's how you justified it. You, you, wanted, you needed I, a job. You, I also needed a job. Right, and you had the opportunity and stuff. So, yeah. so where, where were you at, though? I mean, it sounds like you're really taking your health and your wellness, which is or taking care of your health and wellness, which is super important. But where were you at as far as, like, your, you know your own internal kind of journey and stuff like that. Were you feeling better about yourself now that you're back in Toronto and you were kind of like had just four years of travel experience living in these different places? 
Actually, there was actually those four months were some of the darkest of my life. Okay. Those four those four months. Right. Between when I came back you know from Dubai yeah. and I had and I had a year, and when that opportunity or that situation didn't work out, and then there was a four month gap, that that was some of the darkest, most depressed, sluggish time of of my life that I can remember. Was it similar to before you, like before you left Japan? No. For Japan? No, no. it was different? No. Because like you, you actually... It wasn't, diff- it wasn't the same. Right. I think I, in retrospect, I think I understand it now. Right. I didn't then. Right. And you even said earlier, before you started going on about like when you went to Japan and stuff, that you, you said like you can't run away from how you're feeling. Yeah. Right? I Which is like... interesting because, sorry, it's just interesting to me because like a lot of people do that. Right, even I did it. I, I I tried to leave to get away from everything that was going on, thinking that like going to another place is gonna like solve all your problems when you're just taking them with you. because yeah. it's all up here, it's all your mind. Yeah. So okay, so so go ahead, continue. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. It is all in your mind. And I think the re- I think the main I think the main influence over that being such a dark time for me. Yeah. I think it was the fact that I knew on some level what I needed to do. At least I knew what I needed to do to continue um, my journey of self-discovery and what it was that I needed to do in terms of like my work ethic, etc. But I was, to be honest with you, I think there was a bit of self-loathing during that time. I think I was disappointed in myself and that was creating a bit of a hurricane of, uh, of like depression and sluggishness. And I just wasn't, I wasn't really like, I don't know. Again, I was feeling wasted, um, during that time. Right. Yeah. So this has been a continuous kind of feeling that you've Mm -hmm. had in your life. Yeah. Maybe not, I'm not saying now, but up to that moment, Right. Yeah. You've constantly had that kind of feeling, and again, you found yourself in that spot. Yeah. So I wasn't really exercising. It's unfortunate too, because I was I was dating a girl, Beth. Right. I was dating Beth at okay. the time, and she was so sweet. She was so good, and she was just really cared for me. But I was like, during that time, I was like, I was, I was being such a dick. I was just like, I was sleeping there was I was sleeping really late and I was just I wasn't being nice yeah I wasn't really being myself I was being super selfish I would literally say things like if you don't like it you can just go yeah you yeah know? it's okay you, you just weren't in a good place like, yeah, I wasn't just... in a good place right um right because a because a person I was gonna say a man but a man a woman Zerzi a person right you, you need you need some sense of structure or like I'll give you a good example. You're a pretty routine guy, right? You have your daily structure. You have right. your kids. Yeah, you have yeah, your yeah. wife. You have your workout. You have your your work. You know. Right. Yeah. Every now and again, you probably get it in your mind, man. I just want to chill out and watch movies all day long. <laughs> and then every now and again, you probably get the opportunity. Right. Tell me what happens after you've been sitting for about three or four hours watching TV. How do you feel? Right. So. It's interesting that you bring that up because I totally get where you're going with it, but I actually don't have that um, desire anymore. Like my desire and my passion are coming down to my work or my kids or hanging out with my friends like I'm hanging out with you right now. I actually don't have that desire to just chill out on a couch and watch movies anymore. Um, I did prior and there was a lot of days when I actually showed up and did that because I had no one to answer to. 
and I could easily just check out, go watch movies. But I realized that that no longer was serving me into in what my vision is for myself and the lifestyle I want. And I'm, I was almost like standing in my own way by, by taking that day off. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have downtime and, and watch movies if you want, if that's what aligns with you. But I realized that, especially now that I have kids, I only have a certain amount of time. And doing those things, am I doing them because I just want to hang out and watch a movie? Or am I doing those things to avoid other things that um, I want to be doing, but there's a lot of fear coming up. So I just check out, I go watch a movie, I don't have to deal with that stuff. Yeah. So I've been able to kind of reverse that now because I've dug deep within myself and, you know, now we're getting into myself, but... No, but that's exactly that's the point I'm trying to make, which is why I'm so happy that that four months happened. I mean, right, okay. I, I deal, I'm okay. so happy that that happened. Right. Um, because I realized very, very much so. I think I kind of knew this intellectually before, but this would be the experiential side of it. I was depressed and I was anxious and I didn't know what was coming. And by sitting around and sleeping and doing nothing, it was like putting gas on a fire. It was exactly what my I thought my, my senses wanted. Food, sleep, nothing, leave me alone. Right. Right? But, right. but since then, I've realized that the times when you least want to get out of bed, the times when you least want to go to the gym, the times when you least want to go down to your studio in the basement and yeah. take those pictures, that's when it's most important to get up and do it. To do them. Right? 100%. That's the most important yeah. moment. So did you have like an aha moment? Like you're lying in your bed or something and you were just like, what am I doing to myself kind of thing? Or like what happened? I think that aha moment came... You know, I'll be honest with you, man, that aha moment wouldn't come for another year until after that. Okay. Like, I think eventually I just, I got, I worked up, I worked up enough, here's what happened. I worked up enough energy <laughs> to drag my ass out of bed. Yeah. I went and I found a job because a person needs yeah. a damn job. But I know, but it's and so. I went, I went and yeah. I got a job and then, and then I would reflect back on this. And then about a year later, this is taking us back about six years now. Um, I did have an aha moment. I was like. I really reflected on my life. I took some serious time to reflect on my life. And I looked at some of the things that have worked, some of the things that haven't worked. And I decided on, on certain types of behaviors. Okay. I literally just decided on certain types of behaviors. Okay. Um, and like I said, everything started with that health and wellness routine. And then things just started to happen. Right. I started to... I started to pursue more volunteering and that was lighting fires and that was making me want to be more productive at work and that was making me want to be kinder to everyone around me and then in turn I was getting more kindness and that was feeding right. my product and I was just feeling better and then more and then I started being more productive and things just started happening and the path would lead to right. where I am now and having this which, con- is, which is interesting yeah which is interesting because when you started yeah. your job at, at uh, flight center Right, you like you said, you were just taking on a job. Yeah. But during that experience at Flight Center, you've able you you've been able to grow, right, and build this like kind of life for yourself now that you seem pretty passionate about. Yeah, I mean, f- thank thank the universe. It's just that weird I the found, way things work out. It is weird, but thank the universe that I found myself in a in a in a company that would provide me with a you know certain opportunities. I mean, don't get it twisted for a second. I have had to work and perform and be a damn superstar to create some of these opportunities. Right. I, I, um, I, don't, I don't doubt that. Hard work. Yeah. Grinding it out. Yeah. But it, it, after a while, even though it still felt like hard work, I removed the word grind because it was like I started to, I started to see a path. 
Right. Yeah. Is there any chance here, though, like, as you're going through this, it was almost like you were trying to grind it out or work really hard to cover up for a lot of the other things that you were feeling and going through? Like, you're throwing yourself into your work almost on this job because of everything else you were going through? No. Okay. <laughs> nope. I could have said yes to that yeah. probably any other time in my life. Yeah. Any other time. But not... Especially at the beginning of the story when I was still working at the shopping town. Right. Everything was covering up. Yeah. Now I have no shame in saying that even as we have this conversation now, that void, that emptiness is still there. Right. But okay. I, but I, I have the... I feel like I have the sense now to know that those... That void, that emptiness, those are the questions that we can never answer. The universe, God... The soul, right. death, purpose. Right. Th that's that's for me. That's what that is. And 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 for me now, the the journey has become that's as opposed to it feeling like emptiness. It's I'm interested now. I, it's I, I like exchanging ideas. That's why we're having this discussion right. now. And I don't usually like to talk about me so much, but I have no problem right. drawing on it right now because right. now I I know that like the best part of life is the is the is the exchange of ideas. And right. growing with people, so right. I'm not afraid. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not afraid of that communication and that, connection. Yeah. It's a huge part of like I think why we actually exist. Like, like for most people, we thrive on that. We thrive on connection with yeah. others, and we need to have others kind of around us. So when we talk about it like this, it makes me like I I feel like I'm starting to understand why social responsibility became such a focus for me because I was getting so much from it, and I was connecting. Like I said before, I was connecting with people, right. you know, and don't get me wrong. I still have introverted aspects, but we're pack animals. Yeah. People need people. We need to be connected to, to everything. And that, right. and that for me, that, that feeds me and it's good for others. And yeah. I mean, it's funny because the world and people around me, they look at it and they're like, oh, that's so good. Good for you. You know, shot yeah, the shoulder. You're doing good things. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, yeah, I get that. But like <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> I get all the. I get. I get everything from it. It's so. Good. Yeah. I feel so good. You know, well, not because I'm doing something great, but because I get like I get to feel strong and productive, and I get to connect with people, and it's exciting, right. and people want to engage with me and have discussions. Right. Which is interesting because that's almost what you've been seeking for for so long, right? Was that impact in that way for you to like, you know, to have a meaningful like life in a sense that you were giving back and connecting with these other people. Like it seemed like you were just striving for that, and now you kind of fell into it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's and, exactly I mean, that's exactly right. But has that filled the void? Has that filled the that you've been filling, or no? Is there something else going on here? Where I don't think that that void is ever going to be full, because like I said, some of those questions are unanswerable. Because it's it, it's just helped me realize, like, if if you wanted me to give one line, like from the beginning of the story. What's the lesson, Brian, in a, in, a, in a sentence or somebody else's words? I would tell you, I would say this. I've realized that it's not the pursuit of happiness. It's the happiness of pursuit. Right. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Yeah, that's another way of saying it. Exactly. <laughs> that old, that old, yeah, that old saying, chestnut. But, <laughs> but in reality, it really is. Because normally when you get to the destination, you're just trying to raise the bar. Yeah. Right? You're trying to see what's next and then you continue on your journey. Yeah. Like I said, like earlier, I talked about what I felt when I put my head on my pillow. I don't need to, nor do I ever have any any designs or or do I think that I'm going to put my head on my pillow one day and be like, I did it. I figured it out. All I want when my head goes on the pillow is 
did I pursue something today? Right. Did I take steps in pursuit of something? The something didn't have to be Eureka. Right. I have a pursuit now. It's corporate social. It's social responsibility. Yeah. It's connecting with people. For other people, it might be laying bricks. Right. For other people, it might be stringing guitars. The point is, did I choose something and did I pursue and did I do good today? Is he right out there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So I think that's the thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I gotcha. Okay. So let, let's kind of like, we got to come to an end here. Um, definitely would like to chat, again, chat with you more another time. But um, is there anything like, I always like to like ask this one question. And the question is this, is, is there any kind of habit or tendency or even thought pattern that something that you currently have in your, in your life right now that you would want to give up that, you know, isn't serving you as far as like what your vision is for yourself and your lifestyle and your life you want to build for yourself. Is there anything right now that if you could just give it up, any kind of habit, tendency, something like that, that you would kind of just say, okay, and just kind of release it back into like the universe. <coughs> yeah, there is. And it's something I work on every day in meditation. In Which a word, is, yeah. rea reactivity. Okay. I, I don't want so many emotional, I don't want such high highs and such low lows. I, I believe in experience and I believe in being in the moment and all that, right. all that good stuff. Right. But I find that when I get, when I'm too reactive, either high or low, I sometimes, I sometimes, it, it, it's exhausting. I don't want to be so exhausted all the time. I don't want to be bouncing off the walls happy or down in the dumps like right. depressed about stuff. Right. I like to enjoy things and just I want to be less reactive so that I can be a more Right. You want to respond versus like be respond versus react is basically I think what you're going with this. Yeah. Because most people are very reactive yeah. emotionally and stuff like that. Yeah. Um well, that's and, yeah, that's what that's what meditation is all about. It's about right. less well, it's about less 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 peaks and valleys. From my own personal experience, um, I think meditation is definitely like an amazing, amazing tool for you to realize a lot about yourself and also to release a lot of things about yourself and also to to kind of like create the person that you want to be and be that person now. Yeah. Because through meditation, you can focus on like different feelings. And when you have those or even different like future experiences that you want to have, right? So let's say, for example, you want to buy a house. Right? So you meditate on this house. What does it look like? What does the yard look like? What do the walls look like? You meditate on like you open the door for the first time. And when you do all this, it creates like a certain feeling, right? And then when you have that feeling, your body kind of takes over. So then you've just created that, that same feeling that you would have if you actually bought that house, mm -hmm. right? And the more you do that, the more you're able to kind of like become that person now and attract those things into your life. So I, I, I'm... I, I'm about it, man. Like I'm about the meditation. It's definitely helped change um, my perspective on like myself, right? And also just like having like a clear mind and a clear mind. Well, you're far. It's, it's interesting talking to you, especially in the past few years, because like I think for a lot of our lives, we we were friends, but there were times we there were times when we were very much fringe friends, right? You know, and like it's interesting because when we connect over the past few years, like you've become this much more least dynamic outwardly thinking person and i just want to end on a story it's a very fast one okay two years ago we were at it's all right keep two, going two years ago uh it was two years ago we were at the cottage 
We had that uh, cottage. Um, Which wood? It wasn't last. It, was, it wasn't the last cottage. It was the one before. We rented it with our with our friends. Right. Anyway, we're sitting on the dock. The sun's going down. Uh, right. We all, right. Right. I right. a couple of beers in. You're smoking a joint. Fun. And you had said to us, "I want to go around and ask everybody where do you see yourself in one year from now." Remember okay. That? Yeah, I do know. Okay. Wasn't that last year? So no. It might have been last year. I'm not really sure. Right. But I think my answer at the time was, in a year from now, yeah. I want to have created a coast-to-coast social program. Yeah. I used my company as an example, but I was just really interested in having a social program that had to do with, like, uh, a shelter group or yeah, uh, yeah. a particular... Yeah, yeah, I remember. Right? So, f- about 14 or 15 months after that is exactly what I had achieved. Right. And it was the only time in my life I can really say, like, I had something of a vision and I don't think it was magic. I think I just set a plan in action. And there was a little bit of, I don't want to use the word luck, but there was a little bit of help for sure. Um, so that felt really good. So now I guess I feel, it made me feel like, oh, things are possible. Yeah. I, 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 think I, you should give, I think you should give yourself a lot of credit for what you've done and what you've created, right? Because like I said earlier, I think people get a lot of really get stuck on like, okay, like this whole manifestation thing and this whole like creating your own lifestyle. Like you can manifest and think about it. That's only like a small part of it is coming up with the idea of it. You have to embody it and you have to create the action behind it to get where you want to be and you've done all that. Yeah. So that's super powerful, man. And now that you've done it once and you've tapped into that and you've seen how you can do it, it's like you're you're almost like unstoppable. Like I I, I honestly think like – and this is just my own personal opinion, my advice is to like even double down on whatever you're doing now and like go even deeper within yourself. Cause you talked about still having that void. And I truly believe that that void necessarily doesn't always have to be there. I think you just need to even take the time to be willing to connect even deeper within yourself. And from my own personal experience, like I've gotten to the point now where I've connected with myself so much that I can show up as myself no matter where I go and I'm not showing up as this false jar, this false identity. I just show up as myself now. And further, I can even like, when I'm in situations now where I get triggered and I get emotional, I'm able to control those emotions and I'm able to keep myself, like I'm able to respond versus react, right? And that's because of all the work that I do on a daily basis and a weekly basis on myself. And I think that'd be a cool place for you to keep going. Cause it sounds like, like, and it's not like it's like there's an end to that journey, right? It's like you no, just, it's you, forever. It's forever. Yeah, and cool, you got to keep doing that. So. Always be in, like I, you know, I love that man. Always be wise enough to know that you don't know shit, and you there's know, always something to learn and to grow. Always something right. to learn. It's never ending. You know. Definitely. So, so I like okay. the chat, man. Yeah. Thanks for being on the the podcast. Cool. We'll chat again. And uh, yeah, if anyone wants to get a hold of you or connect with you, is there any kind of like. Um, do you want to give out your email? Do you have another way of sure. connecting with you? Um, I can be reached at um, b, uh, brian.sherman at flightcenter.ca. It's B-R-I-A-N dot S-H-U-R-M-A-N at flightcenter.ca. Right on. Anytime. Okay. All right. Great. Well, again, thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll do this again real soon. Cool, brother. All right.